listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Jenny Dela Cruz is an author and a therapist, and she's also a mother. Recently, she found herself in a situation that is becoming familiar to so many parents and caregivers. In the middle of the night, her youngest son came to her in a swirl of big emotions related to the COVID-19 pandemic. He was frustrated and confused and sad and scared. He missed seeing his friends and family. He wanted to know when would it be over? He needed reassurance and information about the parts of the situation that were scary and unknown. He eventually went back to sleep, but Jenny was left, as so many parents and caregivers are, with the residue of those intense emotions and questions. So rather than try to will herself back to sleep, Jenny turned to words and sketched out what would become her newest children's book. Mama, can I sleep with you tonight? Jenny and I delve into what inspired her to pursue psychology and therapy as a career, and how that led to her becoming a children's book author. We also discuss how she's seeing grief show up with her clients, related to COVID-19, related to the media coverage of the murders of Black people, often at the hands of police, and also the ongoing traumatic effects of racism and racist violence. Jenny provides some easy-to-implement strategies to support children, and adults too, in processing the grief and other emotions connected to these events. Jenny, thank you so much for joining me for Grief Out Loud today. Jenna, thank you for giving me this space. Well, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. And before we kind of go into some of the details about the books that you've authored and the work that you do, just well, tell us a little bit about your work and what drew you to being a therapist. Sure, sure. Um... To be honest with you, as a child, I was always drawn to the helping professions, you know, whether it's a teacher, a social worker, police officer, you name it. And, you know, as a first generation American, my parents are actually from Haiti, by the way, I was encouraged to become either a lawyer or a doctor. <laughs> but <laughs> I remember a psychology class was offered in my senior year in high school. And it was at that moment. I had an aha, and I knew that this was the direction I needed to take. I was concerned about how the unseen nature of mental health is so powerful enough that it can change the course of our lives. And I was intrigued by that as well. How did that conversation go with your family when you decided, maybe not so much doctor, <laughs> lawyer, engineer, I really, I'm interested in working in psychology? Yeah, you know, I think it was, it was a time where the adulting began, you know, <laughs> setting up those boundaries and saying, this is the, the life that I need to go. And, you know, eventually they supported me. But at first, you know, there was, there was definitely some pushback, you know. <laughs> for sure. A great experience in supporting your clients and having to set those boundaries as well. 
Absolutely. And then throughout the course of your career working as a as a therapist, you also like uncovered another talent and interest, which is writing children's books. And what what kind of inspired you to start that avenue of your work? Yeah, you know, to the funny part about that is that my children actually inspired me to write uh, my first book, Fridays with Miss Melange Haiti, was really birthed out of frustration because I wanted to teach my six-year-old son about the history of Haiti, but could not find a book to do that in a level where he would understand. And so, you know, I did research. I looked at all the libraries on Amazon and my husband said, why don't you write it? And so at first I was like, well, you know, I'll just, you know, make something for the house. You know, it's almost like you have your, your t-shirt that you only wear in the house. (laughs) But then, you know, Jana, I've started to put so much work into it, so much research into it. I, I really had this conviction that I had to really share this um, with others. And I was very intentional about making sure that this book not only taught about history, but it promoted emotional intelligence and critical thinking skills. Mm. And so that was really um, my goal. And the funny thing about that, that was my old, oldest son that inspired me to write my first book. And then my youngest son, inspired me to write my second book, which is called Mama, Can I Sleep With You Tonight? And on April 5th, he woke me up at 3 a.m. to talk about his real big fears and big feelings surrounded COVID-19. And of course, he goes and fall right back asleep. And I was up. I was up and I had Jana, all these ideas. It just came racing in my head. And I, I did what I always tell my clients not to do. Do not pick up your phone when you're trying to go to sleep. <laughs> I picked up my phone and I couldn't stop writing. And when the sun came up, the draft was done. I shared it with my husband and he said, wow, that hit me like a ton of bricks because he said every emotion that you expressed here was I remember going to work one day and feeling all those feelings all at once. Yeah, and that that seems to be the power of children's books. Like they they're written with children in mind and then as adults we read them and we're like, yeah, me too. Exactly. Thank you for speaking to my story. Thank you for highlighting the swirl of emotions that are coming with the COVID-19 pandemic and and my fears and and the part in the book that I love is when when the mom and the son, which I'm assuming are you and your son, are talking about the things that he can do, because he's talking about all the things that he can't do. And I I just was really struck by that idea of like creating some sense of agency, even within all the limitations of what's happening in the world right now. Yes, it's so important, you know, to to find hope, because, you know, it's hard to, to feel stuck in that feeling of hopelessness, you know, yeah, and that and that hopelessness is also something that shows up so much for people in dealing with grief. And I and I'm curious, like what do you have a sense of how your personal experience with grief informs your writing and also the work that you do as a therapist? Absolutely. Um, I remember my personal experience was losing my grandparents, and I lost um as a young adult before my kids were actually born when I was first married. And um, this was very significant for me because I pretty much live, remember living with my um, grandmother the first five years of my life. And 
my first language was Haitian Creole. Um, and so that was very foundational for me. And so that, that was huge. And then of course, as a counselor, uh, walking through the grief my clients were experiencing in my practice helped me, especially in the latest book, um, dealing with the impact of COVID-19, because in that story, I was able to break down the stages of grief in a way a child could understand. And as you mentioned earlier, this book can also help parents um, cope because we also deal with these major changes of grief. And you know, um, and I'm sure you, you've heard of the, the many stages, you probably haven't memorized, but you know, we focus on the first five, denial, anger, sadness bargaining and acceptance. But I also believe the, that we should also include a sixth stage, which is transformation. And that's something that I didn't include in my uh, book, but think is also very important. My friend, my good friend, Charissa reminded me of that. Yeah. And the, you know, the stages with grief is, it's always such a tricky concept in that a lot of those experiences are really valid for people, the feeling super angry, the wondering how can I, like, is there some way that I can make a bargain to change something about this or just that fighting against like, this can't be true, this can't be true. And then just overwhelming sadness and how, you know, those can be really valid touchstones for a lot of people in their grief. And then also recognizing that they don't unfold in, some, in any sort of like neat manner, right? Like we don't get to just like, Ooh, check this one off. Now we move into the next one and we never circle back around. And, and so I love the idea of that, that transformation, because that seems to encompass the way that people move in and out and all around the various expressions of grief, including the emotions and the thoughts and the, the physical sensations that come with it as well. Absolutely. Do you have a sense of like the way grief is showing up for children in, in particular, I'm thinking about, so related to COVID-19, because we, we focus so much, especially in Grief Out Loud and, and at the Dougie Center on children who've experienced the death or the diagnosis of a parent or a caregiver or a sibling, some other important person in their life. And then we think about the idea that grief can show up through any type of change or loss and thinking about COVID-19 thinking about the protests that are happening right now against police mm -hmm. brutality and and really highlighting, exposing the systemic racism that's been around forever, but is really in people's forefront of their minds right now. Well, I should say more in the forefront of white people as it's been in the forefront of the minds of the black community forever, but it's it's coming into a new way of being talked about. It's so public. And I just wonder, like, are you seeing, how's that showing up for kids in your practice? That was a really long way to get to my question. <laughs> I appreciate you asking that, though. Um, uh, I think that uh, for children, as you mentioned, they're experiencing the loss of normalcy um, of their lives. You know, kids, they're aware of what's going on, even as adults try to hide it. They realize, okay, my mom or dad, they're not going to work like they used to. You know, my schedule is drastically changed. You not, not only am I going to not going to school, but for kids who had the extracurricular activities, they really are feeling the difference. And I believe many ch Black children are triggered when they see folks 
on their screen who looks just like them dying uh, an unjust death. And um, I do want to give a, a moment of silence to the family and friends of Brianna Taylor, Ahmad Arbery, and most recently, Rashard Brooks, um, and there's countless of other lives who experienced loss that loss was not televised and never got justice. I do want to say, Jana, that in addition to grief, it gets complicated, right? Because this grief is also mixed in with um, post-traumatic stress. I had a client whose husband had very similar features to George Floyd. So can you imagine not only her, but her children, how afraid when the states open up again and he had to go to work they were so afraid for him and i think that is very traumatizing to to worry is my dad gonna return back from work because he looks just like george floyd you know i think that can be very devastating and i would say that um you know it, it's really important not only for us as community members to be aware of this, but you know, for even teachers and educators um, to be prepared. And I'm actually in the process of writing a guide called How Was Your Summer to support a quick guide for teachers to find um, resources on emotional support for students that will be entering back to these schools. Yeah, given that the answer to the how was your summer question is going to be so different and so complex compared to perhaps just even the fall of 2019. Yes. You know, in, in talking about your your client, you know, that's that's something I hadn't thought about in terms of, you know, her husband looking so similar to George Floyd and then to see George Floyd's photo and on on the news and that in a sense, almost seeing a repeated version of his death over and over and over again, and to see someone who looks like daddy yeah, in that way. And how, how did you support that client in supporting her children? Yeah. And in that situation, you know, the best thing that I could do, to be honest with you, was to, to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> You know, sometimes, you know, we learn all these techniques in, 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 in these colleges, you know, and it's like, you know, yeah, there's a time and place for everything. But I do believe just sitting in someone's grief is powerful and can provide such healing because you allow that individual to have a voice, to own their voice. And you're saying that your voice is important to me to the point where I'm going to put my techniques aside to join you in your grief. And, you know, there were times where I cried with them. Yeah, just to be there, to be a presence, to be a witness, to create that space and that opportunity to give words to something that so often goes beyond words. And it can be so hard to find the time and the space to even construct a narrative about what's happening. You know, just being present is, words can't describe its power. And, and I would encourage families 
to just be present to like when their kids are on the floor playing, you know, even if it's just for five minutes, get down on the floor, get down on their level and talk to them. It makes a huge difference, you know, versus, you know, we're yelling at them from the kitchen because we're, this year's as giants, we're towering over them. But when we get down on the floor and we're playing with them and engage them, they're like, wow, like you really see me. And I think too, with kids, they have such a unique way of expressing and making sense of grief and loss. And I know for me in my role, I learned so much more from them than they are ever going to learn from me about grief and loss and, and what's helpful. And I'm curious from your vantage point of, of working directly with children in this, in this way, what's your sense of how they make sense of loss and of grief? Well, you know, I find um, it really differs from child to child. And, but I, I find that um, kids for the most part, the ones that I have worked with, I'll give you an example. Um, they viewed Corona as a, a, like almost like a monster, right? This invisible monster. And I had one child who, you know, in play therapy, got all these objects to put around the mouths and noses of all the people. And it was just like, okay, everyone's mask is on. We're gonna, I'm going to open the door and then one, two, three, run, Corona, and just running, mm. you know? And, and I feel like they're um, picking up from us because they see when we're at the grocery stores, perhaps the panic, people are not really greeting each other. They're quickly in and out, you know? They're very, um, can be short with one another. And I think kids, they, they pick up on things. If anything, they're showing us how we're dealing with it. And so it could be a, a litmus test for us. But I find that children, they really um, conceptualize these ideas well through play, through art, and through writing. And so that's a good way to, a great way to, to get their thoughts and feelings out for, you know, anyone who really wants to check in. Yeah, I love the idea of offering those creative opportunities for expression, like you mentioned of writing or drawing or even through their play. Are there some other kind of tangible suggestions or tips you would give to parents and caregivers who are supporting kids through the kind of maelstrom of emotions that are coming with COVID-19 and with the protests and, and everything else that's happening uh, in our in the context of our world right now? Yeah, absolutely. I would say um, it's so important for for kids to be able to release any anger, frustration, or anxiety physically, because it does get stored up in their bodies. Um, that's why you may see a child all the, of the sudden having mood swings and you saying, hey, what's going on? Not realizing in one day, they can be going through a little bit of shock, a little bit of anger, and then sadness. So one activity that I love is just getting like a bowl of rice or sand or whatever, small pebbles, and having a child just squeeze those items. It's a sensory activity that really helps them to release the tension from their bodies. And it also helps to calm their central nervous system. 
Another great technique is if a child's really frustrated or angry, you know, tell them to go up to their room and punch their pillow. You know, a lot of times we shame children or even ourselves for being angry. Oh, you shouldn't be angry. No, there's nothing wrong with being angry. In fact, you know, um, it's all about how you express it. And so it might be a win-win for some parents. They're punching their pillow so much, they fall asleep, you know, <laughs> you get a break. So, you know, and honestly, Jana, we need it too as parents. I remember, you know, homeschooling my kids. I, I had my stress ball right there, you know, with <laughs> me, you know, by my side. And honestly, you know, exercising really does help me um, to sleep better. And I do believe it's related to that tension leaving the body. And what a great reminder, you know, whenever I might t- talk with a guest about like, what are some concrete tips you have for parents and caregivers? And the, the first one really is like, how are you tending to your own emotional state? And what are you doing to care for yourself so that you're a little more regulated to be present? And, you know, as we talked about that power of presence with your kids and the ways that they're making their way through all those emotions. And, and now you've got me thinking about a bowl of pebbles that I'm definitely going to keep near my desk and also provide to my partner. (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. Speaking of attending to ourselves, what, what's helping you and your family? I know you have two younger children and you and your husband, like what's helping you all these days? You know, to be honest with you, having a connection with our community really helps us. For instance, we're part of a community group at our church and, you know, they have this phone tree set up so that, you you know, you only check on one person a week. And so at the end of the week, everyone has been checked upon, right? And I feel like grief, anxiety, depression, and I believe that these issues can worsen when we are isolated and without support. I also like to do journaling myself, to be honest with you. And um, there is a free journaling app that I like to go to that uses the cognitive behavioral therapy model and it's called CBT Thought Diary. And so that's my go-to. And I like how anytime you, you enter like a really negative or really if you're if you're really down it it gives you a checklist and so you get to start to see your patterns and what your triggers may be and i think that self-awareness is is so crucial it's so crucial well jenny i've i've really appreciated this conversation and being able to hear a little bit about your work and about your two books um that are available and also you have a do you have a youtube channel is that true yes my youtube channel is called Storytime with miss melange and in that channel i read books that celebrates diverse characters and after each story i like to end with a question to promote critical thinking skills That sounds like a great resource for parents and caregivers to kind of roll into some of the suggestions and tips that you've already provided. So listeners, I will link in the show notes to the YouTube channel and to both of the books, including Jenny's latest, The Mama Can I Sleep With You Tonight, which is specifically around supporting kids around COVID-19. Jenny, is there any other way that listeners should connect with you? Yes, you can connect with me on Instagram at Storytime Melange. And I'm also on Facebook at Diverse Kids Books. 
lastly, I do provide virtual counseling for individuals and families. And I recently started a Black therapy support group, which has been really helpful in allowing um, Black women to process their own experiences with systematic racism and what they have been exposed to in our media. And so if anyone's interested in any therapy, you can go to restorative therapy info. And you know, Jenna, I'm really trying to break that stigma, you know, against mental health. And I'm always the first to say that as a licensed therapist, I also get therapy. So listeners, some really great resources available through Jenny, both for yourself as adults um, needing specific therapy, but also the books, the story time, lots of resources to help support your kids and, and your teens during this time. So Jenny, thank you again for, for being part of Grief Out Loud today. I really enjoyed talking with you. Oh, Jana, I enjoyed my time as well. And thank you so much for having me. And listeners out there, if you are new to our show, you can find all of our past episodes at our website, dougy.org. And if you are someone who's listening and you're like, gosh, here's a topic I really wish you all would talk about, or here's someone I think you should interview, or I, you just want to share what the show means to you, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at griefoutloud at dougie.org. So thanks so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time.